Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text and a manual for teachers of the Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily reading and the lesson for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 10.50 a.m. Eastern. And today we're continuing our reading of the Manual for Teachers with question 17. How do God's teachers deal with their pupils' thoughts of magic? And we're also mindful of our lesson today. Lesson 355. There is no end to all the peace and joy and all the miracles that I will give when I accept God's word. Why not today? And by way of opening this morning, um, it was not difficult to turn to this poem that's titled Psalm 2 in the book 40 Prayers by Pure Elias Amidon. In light of There Is No End to All the Peace and Joy, uh, this poem seems apt. My heart is your sky, beloved. There is nothing I need. On the hills of your earth I walk upright, and in the fields of your love I find peace. You have made my soul a window and opened it to you. You've taken away my fear. You've given me to know my home is in your presence and I will live in the light of your joy forever. Amen. Perfect. Thank you, Lori. Mm-hmm. I do love finding those. Uh, thank you. Okay, my friends, here's our reading list for today. We have Robin Marie, Judy, Fran, Charles, Jessica, and Donna. We're joined in listening this morning by Ida. And I wonder who else has joined us that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list. This is Lemoyne. Uh, hi, Lemoyne. Did you say you could read, huh? Yep. All righty. Yes, right after Donna. And anyone else? Catherine, I'm listening. Anyone else? Catherine, I'm listening. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning, Lori. Chris, good morning. Uh, good morning, Chris. Uh, did you say you could read, huh? I'm listening. Okay. All right. Okay. Did I miss anything? All right, then. So, I'll lead off, then, in the manual for teachers, in the question number 17, how do God's teachers deal with their pupils' thoughts of magic? 
This is a crucial question both for teacher and pupil. If this issue is mishandled, the teacher has hurt himself and has also attacked his pupil. This strengthens fear and makes the magic seem quite real to both of them. How to deal with magic thoughts. No, it doesn't say thoughts, does it? How to deal with magic. Thus becomes a major lesson for the teacher of God to master. His first responsibility in this is not to attack it. If a magic thought arouses anger in any form, God's teacher can be sure that he is strengthening his own belief in sin and has condemned himself. He can be sure as well that he has asked for depression, pain, fear, and disaster to come to him. Let him remember then that it is not this that he would teach because it is not this that he would learn. Uh, Robin Marie. Manual for Teachers 17. How do God's teachers deal with their people's thoughts of magic? This is a crucial question both for a teacher and people. If this issue is mishandled, the teacher has hurt himself and has also, also attacked his people. This strengthens fear and makes the magic seem quite real to both of them. How to deal with magic thus becomes a major lesson for the teacher of God to master. His first responsibility in this is not to attack it. If a magic thought arouses anger in any form, God's teacher can be sure that he is strengthening his own belief in sin and has condemned himself. He can be sure as well that he has asked for depression, pain, fear, and disaster to come to him. Let him remember then, it is not this that he would teach because it is not this that he would learn. Two, there is, however, a temptation to respond to magic in a way that reinforces it, nor is this always obvious. It can, in fact, be easily concealed beneath a wish to help. It is this double wish that makes the help of little value and must lead to undesired outcomes. Nor should it be forgotten that the outcome that results will always come to teacher and to pupil. How many times has it been emphasized that you give but to yourself? And where could this be better shown than in the kind of help the teacher gives to those who need his aid? Here is he... Oh, here is his gift most clearly given him, for he will give only what he has chosen for himself, and in this judgment is his judgment upon the Holy Son of God. Thank you, Robin Marie and Judy. Thank you, Lori. There is, however, a temptation to respond to magic in a way that reinforces it. Nor is this always obvious. It can, in fact, be easily concealed beneath a wish to help. It is this double wish that makes the 
help of little value and must lead to undesired outcomes. Nor should it be forgotten that the outcome that results will always come to teacher and to the pupil alike. How many times has it been emphasized that you give but to yourself? And where could this be better shown than in the kinds of help the teacher of God gives to those who need his aid? There, or here is his gift most clearly given him. For he will give only what he has chosen for himself. And in this gift is his judgment upon the Holy Son of God. Three, it's, it is easiest to let error be corrected where it is most apparent. And errors can be recognized by their results. A lesson truly taught can lead to nothing but relief for teacher and pupil who have shared in one intent. Attack can enter only if perception of separate goals has entered. And this must indeed have been the case if the result is anything but joy. The single aim of the teacher turns the divided goal of the pupil in one direction with the call for help becoming his one appeal. This then is easily responded to with just one answer, and this answer will enter the teacher's mind unfailingly. From there, it shines into his pupil's mind, making it one with his. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And Fran. Three, it is easiest to let error be corrected where it is most apparent, and errors can be recognized by their results. A lesson truly taught can lead to nothing but release for teacher and pupil who have shared in one intent. Attack can enter only if perception of separate goals has entered, and this must indeed have been the case if the result is anything but joy. The single aim of the teacher turns the divided goal of the pupil into one direction, with the call for help becoming his one appeal. This, then, is easily responded to with just one answer, and this answer will enter the teacher's mind unfailingly. From there, it shines into his pupil's mind, making it one with his. Four. Perhaps it will be helpful to remember that no one can be angry at a fact. It is always an interpretation that gives rise to negative emotions, regardless of their seeming justification by what appears as facts. Regardless, too, of the intensity of the anger that is aroused. It may be merely slight irritation, perhaps too mild to be even clearly recognized. Or it may also take the form of intense rage, accompanied by thoughts of violence, fantasized or apparently acted out. It does not matter. All of these reactions are the same. They obscure the truth, and this can never be a matter of degree. Either truth is apparent or it is not. It cannot be partially recognized. Who is unaware of truth must look upon illusions. 
Thank you, Fran. And Charles. Yes, thank you. Perhaps it will be helpful to remember that no one can be angry at a fact. It is always an interpretation that gives rise to negative emotions, regardless of their seeming justification by what appears as facts. Regardless, too, of the intensity of the anger that is aroused. It may be merely slight irritation, perhaps too mild to be even clearly recognized. Or it may also take the form of intense rage accompanied by thoughts of violence, fantasized or apparently acted out. Does not matter. All these reactions are the same. They obscure the truth. And this can never be a matter of degree. Either truth is apparent or it is not. It cannot be partially recognized. Who is unaware of truth must look upon illusions. Five. Anger in response to perceived magic thoughts is the basic cause of fear. Consider what this reaction means and its centrality in the world's thought system becomes apparent. The magic thought, by its mere presence, acknowledges a separation from God. It states in the clearest form possible that the mind which thinks it believes it has a separate will that can oppose the will of God and succeed. That this can hardly be a fact is obvious. Yet that it can be believed as a fact is surely so. And herein lies the birthplace of guilt. Who usurps the place of God and takes it for himself now has a deadly, quote, enemy. Unquote. And he must stand alone in his protection and make himself a shield to keep him safe from fury that can never be abated and vengeance that can never be satisfied. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. And uh, Jessica. <clears throat> Thank you, Lori. Paragraph 5. Anger in response to perceived magic thoughts is the basic cause of fear. Consider what this reaction means, and its centrality in the world's thought system becomes apparent. A magic thought, by its mere presence, acknowledges a separation from God. It states in the clearest form possible that the mind which thinks it believes it has a separate will that can oppose the will of God and succeed. Um, I'm going to read that over. It states in the clearest form possible that the mind which thinks it believes it has a separate will and can oppose the will of God and succeed. That this can hardly be a fact 
is obvious. Yet, that it can be believed as fact is surely so. And herein lies the birthplace of guilt. Who usurps the place of God and takes it for himself now has a deadly, quote, enemy. And he must stand alone in his protection and make himself a shield to keep him safe from fury that can never be abated and vengeance that can never be satisfied. Six, how can this unfair battle be resolved? Its ending is inevitable, for its outcome must be death. How then can one believe in one's defenses? Magic again must help. Forget the battle. Accept it as a fact and then forget it. Do not remember the impossible odds against you. Do not remember the immensity of the, quote, enemy. And do not think about your frailty in comparison. Accept your separation, but do not remember how it came about. Believe that you have won it, but do not retain the slightest memory of who your great so-called opponent really is. Projecting your, quote, forgetting onto him, it seems to you he has forgotten too. Thank you, Jessica. And Donna. Six. How can this unfair battle be resolved? Its ending is inevitable, or its outcome must be death. How then can one believe in one's defenses? Magic, again, must help. Forget the battle. Accept it as a fact, and then forget it. Do not remember the impossible odds against you. Do not remember the immensity of the enemy. And do not think about your frailty in comparison. Accept your separation. But do not remember how it came about. Believe that you have won it. But do not retain the slightest memory of who your great opponent really is. Projecting your forgetting onto him. It seems to you he has forgotten too. Seven. But what will now be your reaction to all magic thoughts? They can but reawaken sleeping guilt, which you have hidden but have not let go. Each one says clearly to your frightened mind, quote, you have usurped the place of God. Think not he has forgotten, end quote. Here, we have the fear of God most starkly represented, for in that thought has guilt already raised madness to the throne of God himself. And now there is no hope except to kill. Here is salvation now. An angry father pursues his guilty son. Kill or be killed. For here alone is choice. Beyond this, there is none. For 
for what was done cannot be undone without. The stain of blood can never be removed, and anyone who bears the stain on him must meet with death. Thank you, Donna. And Lemoyne. All right, thank you all. But what will now be your reaction to all magic thoughts? They can but reawaken sleeping guilt, which you have hidden but have not let go. Each one says clearly to your frightened mind, Quote, you have usurped the place of God. Think not he has forgotten. Unquote. Here we have the fear of God most starkly represented. For in that thought has guilt already raised madness to the throne of God himself. And now there is no hope except to kill. Here is salvation now. An angry father pursues his guilty son Kill or be killed, for here alone is choice. Beyond this, there is none, for what was done cannot be done without. The stain of blood can never be removed, and anyone who bears this stain on him must meet with death. Into this hopeless situation, God sends his teachers. They bring the light of hope from God himself. There is a way in which escape is possible. It can be learned and taught, but it requires patience and abundant willingness. Given that, the lesson's manifest simplicity stands out like an intense white light against the black horizon, for such it is. If anger comes from an interpretation and not a fact, it is never justified. Once this is even dimly grasped, the way is open. Now it is possible to take the next step. The interpretation can be changed at last. Magic thoughts need not lead to condemnation, for they do not really have the power to give rise to guilt. And so they can be overlooked and thus forgotten in the truest sense. Thank you, Lemoyne. And is there a new reader then for eight and nine? Ida will. <clears throat> well, thank you, Ida. Thank you. Into this hopeless situation, God sends his seizures. They bring the light of hope from God himself. There is a way in which escape is possible. It can be learned and taught, but it requires patience and abundant willingness. Given that, the lesson's manifest simplicity stands out like an intense white light against a black horizon, for such it is. If anger comes from an interpretation and not a fact, it is never justified. 
Once it is even dimly grasped, the way is open. Now it is possible to take the next step. The interpretation can be changed at last. Excuse me. The interpretation can be changed at last. Magic thoughts need not lead to condemnation, for they do not really have the power to give rise to guilt. And so they can be overlooked and thus forgotten in the truest sense. Madness but seems terrible. In truth, it has no power to make anything. Like the magic which becomes its servant, it neither attacks nor protects. To see it and to recognize its thought system is to look on nothing. Can nothing give rise to anger? Hardly so. Remember then, teacher of God, that anger recognizes a reality that is not there. Yet is the anger certain witness that you do believe in it as fact. Now is escape impossible until you see you have responded to your own interpretation, which you have projected on an outside world. Let this grim sword be taken from you now. There is no death. The sword does not exist. The fear of God is causeless. But his love is cause of everything beyond all fear, and thus forever real and always true. Thank you, Ida. And is there another new reader to complete today with nine? Oh, go ahead, Please. Okay, thank you. All right, Uh, nine. Madness but seems terrible. In truth, it has no power to make anything like the magic which becomes its servant. It neither attacks nor protects. To see it and to recognize its thought system is to look on nothing. Can nothing give rise to anger? Hardly so. Remember then, teacher of God, that anger recognizes a reality that is not there. Yet is the anger certain witness that you do believe in it as fact. Now is escape impossible until you see you have responded to your own interpretation which you have projected on an outside world. Let this grim sword be taken from you now. There is no death. This sword does not exist. The fear of God is causeless, but his love is cause of everything beyond all fear and thus forever real and always true. Amen. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Sandra. 
Um, let's see here. In section 17, how do God's teachers deal with their pupils' thoughts of magic? I'll just say that um, this section describes um, a real knot, a real knot that can be established when um, when the response to a magic thought is misdirected. And so to run through this as something to summarize um, makes it a little unclear exactly where the knot is. But I think it'll become clear in our discussion. So with that in mind, um, I'll highlight a few things. From that first paragraph, how, how to deal with magic thought. No, how to deal with magic thus becomes a major lesson for the teacher of God to master. His first responsibility in this is not to attack it. If a magic thought arouses anger in any form, God's teacher can be sure that he is strengthening his own belief in sin and has condemned himself. The second paragraph, there is, however, a temptation to respond to magic in a way that reinforces it. Nor is this always obvious. It can, in fact, be easily concealed beneath the wish to help. It is this double wish that makes the help of little value and must lead to undesired outcomes. Nor should it be forgotten that the outcome that results will always come to teacher and to pupil. How many times has it been emphasized that you give but to yourself? The teacher will give only what he has chosen for himself, and in this gift is his judgment upon the Holy Son of God. Paragraph 3. A lesson truly taught can lead to nothing but release for teacher and pupil who have shared in one intent. The single aim of the teacher turns the divided goal of the pupil into one direction with the call for help becoming his one appeal. This then is easily responded to with just one answer, and this answer will enter the teacher's mind unfailingly. From there it shines into his pupil's mind, making it one with his. In paragraph 4, perhaps it will be helpful to remember that no one can be angry at a fact. It is always an interpretation that gives rise to negative emotions, regardless of their seeming justification by what appear as facts. All negative reactions are the same. They obscure the truth, and thus can never be a matter of degree. Either truth is apparent, or it is not. It cannot be partially recognized. Who is unaware of truth must look upon illusion. That fifth paragraph. A magic thought, by its mere presence, acknowledges a separation from God. It states in the clearest form possible that mind which thinks it believes it has a separate will that can oppose the will of God and succeed. That this can hardly be a fact is obvious, yet that it can be believed as fact is surely so, and herein lies the birthplace of guilt. Running down to paragraph 8, into this hopeless situation God sends his teachers. They bring the light of hope from God himself, there is a way in which escape is possible from all thought of separation. 
It can be learned and taught, but requires patience and abundant willingness. Given that, the lesson's manifest simplicity stands out like an intense white light against a black horizon, for such it is. If anger comes from an interpretation and not a fact, it is never justified. Once this is even dimly grasped, the way is open, now it is possible to take the next step. The interpretation can be changed at last. Magic thoughts need not lead to condemnation, for they do not really have the power to give rise to guilt. And so they can be overlooked and thus forgotten in the truest sense. And finally, madness but seems terrible. In truth, it has no power to make anything. Like the magic which becomes its servant, it neither attacks nor protects. To see it and to recognize its thought system is to look on nothing. Anger recognizes a reality that is not there. Yet is the anger a certain witness that you do believe in it as fact? Now is escape impossible until you see you have responded to your own interpretation, which you have projected on an outside world? Let this grim sword be taken from you now. There is no death. The sword does not exist. The fear of God is causeless, but his love is capital cause of everything beyond all fear and thus forever real and always true amen and i'm sure we'll have a hearty discussion uh the floor is open thank you charles here if i may um it's in the interpretation where misunderstanding comes in and as we started reading the paragraphs and I'm starting to see words being skipped or misread or sentences feeling awkward and I'm going, oh, here comes my judgment. Here comes my awkwardness. Here comes my... Inter-. I just really feel the... my... my... oh, you know. And I'm realizing what it's saying is that I'm recognizing this inside me rising up while the reading's going on. And I say to myself, my real purpose here is to hold the ones who are reading in a loving space. And I need to forget and let go of my need to understand what's being read. But to be here and to give my full attention to what is being shared with by those who are reading. So this... Uh, section came alive to me as I experienced it while it was being shared so in that I give thanks uh, for this experience I'm complete thank you mm. thank you so much <laughs> that was beautiful Charles yeah, yeah. It was. thank you Charles nice. This is Jessica. Um, I go ahead. Okay, thanks. Um, I uh, first wanted to say that I've been reading recently from the FIP Blue Book edition, and the words are slightly different, but I realize that the meaning, capital M, meaning stays the same. But anyway. Um, I 
realized in recent years after reading this section that I used to have a big problem with people talking on the phone with people when they came up with magic thoughts, especially my mother, bless her heart. Um, I'd have anger, really plenty of anger, but I held it down while listening to her speak on the phone and basically the only way we've we've talked for a long time uh, because she lives far away. And um, I didn't say, I never said to her, Mom, what you just said makes me feel really angry because it's magic thoughts and I know they're not true. But like the Course says here, that didn't help her or me. You know, so... I've come away since then, and I think so has she. She still says the same sort of things, but with more positivity and less emphasis on the emotional tone, less emphasis on being right that that I used to feel in her words for so long, my my whole life. (laughs) And uh, so I don't get angry the way I used to. And I credit this book, this being, A Course in Miracles. To me, the last couple of years, after I got the the knowledge or the vision, it's been a being to me, not just a book. Um, But um, I think about that when somebody says, I was in the bookstore and it fell off the shelf. It didn't fall. It jumped out because this being was ready to connect with your being and knew that. So anyway, <laughs> thank you so much. I'm complete. Oh, man. Thank mm, you. Thank you, Ida. Very excellent description. Oh, and Jessica. I just want to sing the the praises of this particular reading. I I think out of the whole book, this jumped out at me the most. With clarity, the clarity to see myself, um, not to justify anger because it was merely my limited perspective and interpretation on the totality of the situation from my particular point of view. And it's like, Dude, it's just your opinion about something, and it's never justified. Anger in the text, it says it's the attempt to make someone else guilty, to project the blame on someone outside of me, and, you know, that we're completely blameless, that, you know, people, everybody is, 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 in a body and an ego and has self-centered thoughts, which, you know, are what the book describes as magic thoughts. So, you know, there's no escaping from it in this world, and I think the power of this lesson lies in that simple fact that I am in charge of, of being mindful of what my response to, to everybody in every situation is, and that I am responsible for um, and being mindful of my thinking 
and aware of how my interpretations cause me to be emotionally upset with them. So um, this is the practice for me was all about eliminating judgment. And I love the way it speaks of the slightest irritation is the same as a murderous rage. And it doesn't say it that way particularly in this part, but it does in another part of the text. And um, so I use that. I mean, we we have the ability to use that throughout any given day. Oh, I'm irritated because I dropped something in the kitchen. Oh, I'm irritated because I'm waiting for someone to call me. Oh, I'm this and that. I need to go on. But um, to practice it, this, um, I am not justified in getting angry. Um, and the amount that I became aware of that I had angry, attacking thoughts, that I was attacking the creation of God's totality, that I was attacking God, no matter what form it appeared to me, if I was irritated with it, then that's what I'm doing. And it speaks of that, too. You know, I either, I either am totally in heaven or I'm in hell. So there's no partial about this business that we're learning and that's the complete safety and the the, um, the complete peace and the complete joy that that comes to us when we when we um, use this teaching as a practical application in our lives living and breathing the Christ in us today amen thank you all for being here <laughs> amen thank, thank you Judy thank you amen. And that thank was- you I have, it's Robin Marie. I have some thoughts about that, and that is, um, you know, that we're not to judge other people, and what we might think as magical thinking, um, maybe just you know their process. They could be Hindus. They could be Muslims. They could be, you know, we don't know. We we know nothing about them, and it's best to open and listen. Because we might learn something, and we might learn how to love someone else for who they are and not try to change them. So that's my idea. <laughs> Thank you. Excellent. Thank you, Robin Thank Marie. Thank you, Marie. Thank you, Marie. Robin Marie. Beautiful. Thank you. And should we take that holding pause? Oh, okay. Go ahead. I I was just going to suggest that maybe now would be a good time to um, to reflect on all the miracles I can give, um, and let Fran lead us in our reflection of the lesson today. Mhm. Okay. Thank you. All right. Come straight Thank back you, to you, Harrison. Thanks, Fran. Hi, everybody. Hi. We are in, whoops, second part of the workbook. And the theme that we're on is What Am I? And our lesson for today is Lesson 355. There is no end to all the peace and joy and all the miracles that I will give when I accept God's word. Why not today? I shall read some from what am I? I am God's son, complete and healed 
and whole, shining in the reflection of his love. In me is his creation, sanctified and guaranteed eternal life. In me is love perfected, fear impossible, and joy established without opposite. Our useful words is almost over now. Yet in the final days of this one year we gave to God together, you and I, we found a single purpose that we shared, unless you joined with me. So what I am are you as well. The truth of what we are is not for words to speak of nor describe. Yet we can realize our function here, and words can speak of this and teach it, too, if we exemplify the words in us. We are the bringers of salvation. We are the holy messengers of God who speak for him and carry his word to everyone whom he has sent to us. We learn that it is written on our hearts. And thus our minds are changed about the aim for which we came and which we seek to serve. We bring glad tidings to the Son of God who thought he suffered. Now is he redeemed. And as he sees the gate of heaven stand open before him, he will enter in and disappear into the heart of God. We'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 355. There is no end to all the peace and joy and all the miracles that I will give when I accept God's word. Why not today? Why should I wait, my father, for the joy you promised me? For you will keep your word you gave your son in exile. I am sure my treasures wait for me, and I need but reach out my hand to find it. Even now, my fingers touch it. It is very close. I need not wait an instant more to be at peace forever. It is you I choose and my identity along with you. Your son would be himself and know you as his father and creator and his love. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 355. There is no end to all the peace and joy and all the miracles that I will give when I accept God's word. Why not today? It is you I choose and my identity along with you. Your son would be himself and know you as his father and creator and his love. 
Lesson 355. There is no end to all the peace and joy and all the miracles that I will give when I accept God's word. Why not today? Amen. 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 Thank you, friend. Amen. Thank you. Harrison, you were about to speak right before the top of the hour. Okay, and thank you, friend. You truly did a great job. Thank you so much. Thanks. At the, at the heart of um, every problem that I may perceive or that others, uh, and I use that in quotes, may perceive is the idea that I'm separate. I'm separate from God. I'm separate from my brothers and sisters. And they're separate from each other. And that as a separate idea. I can have separate problems. And there are separate solutions for those problems. The last line in uh, today's lesson, or next to last one, it is you with the capital Y I choose and my identity along with you. Your son would be himself and know you as his father and creator as his love. That is the ultimate healing. And how do I deal with magic thoughts? We all have had them. And I still have magic thoughts. And magic thoughts is the idea that something other than God, than the truth exists, or something other than God of the truth can heal me of whatever in, uh, affliction that I think I have. Every affliction I think I have is an illusion. And it's notable that every affliction I think I have has something to do with the body. And one of these days, I will arrive at the truth 
that I am not this body. I've been working on that for 30 years. I'm a slow learner. But whether I acknowledge it or not, that is the truth. If I want to fully assume my role as the teacher of God, I must first accept the atonement for myself. I must accept that I am one with God and all of his creation and God is perfect love. And there can be no infection. There can be no cancer. There can be no high blood pressure. There can be no diabetes. The only thing exists exist as God created it and God is perfect love and all that he projects is perfect love and if there is something else there is not perfect love And perfect, in perfect love, there is no suffering. There is no sickness. There is no death. He says here, there is no death. This sword does not exist. The fear of God is causeless. There is absolutely no need to fear God. All my life prior to my introduction to the Course, I viewed God as fearful. And that idea sneaks into my thinking even after 30 years of practicing the lessons of the Course. That's how pernicious it is. He says, there is no death. This sword does not exist. The fear of God is causeless. The fear of God is causeless. There is no cause for the fear of God. And God is all that exists. I am merely an extension of what I call God. But 
his love is cause of everything beyond all fear and thus forever real and always true. If I could just grasp that, the idea that God's love is the cause of everything. There is no sickness in God's love. There is no death in God's love. There are no problems in God's love. But his love is the cause of everything beyond all fear and thus forever real and always true. God, how I want to remember that. God, how I want to hold those thoughts dear. I would never shed another tear. I would never entertain another thought of sorrow. I would never see attacks. I would never see death and sickness and fear as real. Thank you all, my road warriors, for helping me. I'm complete. Man, you are. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much, Harrison. Um, I feel very inspired by that. Um, this is Jessica, and uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm glad to get an opportunity to share on this 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 section and the lesson, of course, too. But the section is just really incredibly wonderful, and it was funny because I you know I I have um, thought of how do you how does the teacher of God deal with this pupil's magic thoughts as um, you know my reaction to other students of the course and their magic thoughts and and so I've you know kind of been aware of that you know when I hear people say things that I think that I <laughs> think is as magic thoughts and just remembering that reacting to them or or being angry is is obviously not helpful in any way. But what I realized um, even before we started the reading was that yesterday um, I wanted to I wanted to correct my granddaughter about something she was saying, my four year old granddaughter, about something she was saying about how one gets a cold. How one gets a cold from going out when it's too cold. And and I thought, well, I better not say that because uh, her mother is here and she's probably the one who told her that stuff. And then I realized that that was me trying to correct or being annoyed by um, someone's magic thoughts about, you know, because as Harrison said, there is, there is no, none of that is real. Um, and I thought, yeah, it's it, it's not just for students of the course. It's for everybody. It's for everything everywhere that 
I need to practice prop my proper um, orientation to the truth and and to my responses to my brothers and sisters and um, I'm I've been I've been having this beautiful um, experience where I, you know, I have to take medication for some, some like unreal disease that I have. Mm-hmm. And um, I have begun to see the medication, which, which comes in this intense packaging because it's supposedly, you know, it must be kept away from anyone who doesn't need to take it because I don't know what's going to happen to them, but certainly children, it's, it's in bubble wrapped and triple wrapped and everything else and has warning signs on it. And I, when I take the pill, I look at it and I say, this is so beautiful. I take it with the Holy Spirit because somewhere along the line, I don't know where I got this idea, but it, it feels right to me that if I don't take it with the Holy Spirit, there, is, there can be guilt associated with it because I'm believing that it's medication that's going to help me. It's not the medication that's going to help me. It's the love of God, just like Harrison said. It's the love of God. And I'm going to go on Friday and get a CAT scan. And when I go through the CAT scan, it's not the radiation that's going to reveal whatever and help me and help the doctors figure out what's the next thing or not the next thing. It's the love of God that when I go through that CAT scan, I am meditating on the love of God penetrating my body and, and guiding the doctors and guiding the nurses and guiding everyone in this illusory drama that is supposedly involving some illness that I supposedly have. And, you know, it's not real because what's real is the love of God. And um, it's just so, so great to be able to perceive things as uh, what they are because if I think that, you know, taking this, or doing that, or avoiding that other thing is going to keep me uh, healed and whole, then I'm believing in separation. And I'm believing that something here in this illusory world is going to be the solution to my quote-unquote problem. And that's, that's believing in the separation, and that results in guilt. So I am not going to go, that's not, that's not the truth that, um, you know, I believe that it is the love of God through all of the beings around me that is healing me in whatever way is intended in the script. And when my friends, relatives, strangers talk about oh, you should do this, this will help with that, or this will, you know, my son loves natural remedies for things. And there's not, no need for me to disagree with anything and, and point out that it's really the love of God or whatever, or that, you know, 
anything like that. Um, It's the love of God that I bring to every communication about healing. And that's all that's really required. That's what I, I mean. This section is so rich in in um, what we're being taught. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, all of you brothers and sisters on this call, to help me learn these things. These beautiful, beautiful lessons. I'm complete. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you. I'm sorry that we all went ahead of you before went starting with me. When, you know, you were so patient. When you were talking, and I just was reminded of this is Robin Marie of when my my grandson, who's now 14, was born. He had a cleft palate, and I was really concerned about him. And I was walking on the beach here in Northern California, where I had been with his mother and speaking to the Lord and saying, you know, Holy Spirit, give me a sign and speaking in tongues and just, you know, really, really concerned about his, about him. He, his name is Oliver. And I looked down and there was a stone with his name written on it in, you know, rock. It was a rock. But it had his name on it. It was just like such a confirmation. Yes, the Holy Spirit, God, is in control. And I loved your story, Jessica. Thank you so much. Thank you, Robin. This is Ida. That was really great. Um, Yeah, um, both of you. Um, When I was talking earlier about getting angry, at my mother when um, she had magical thoughts that she expressed to me. And what we were just talking about, what Jessica was just talking about, made me think of someone I know that I guess was my friend for a while, but then until he asked me to stop calling him and then he stopped calling me, whatever. I seem to have not too good luck with friends in this lifetime, but other people have said stuff like that to me too, so I know I'm not alone. It's in our society, the individualization of our society. But anyway, um, and he is a person who has studied the Course and is currently teaching uh, once a week uh, over the phone course on the Way of Mastery, which was also channeled by through Jesus to J.M. Hammer. But anyway... Um, so he knows these principles, and he has a disease, quote-unquote. He, like I'll say it, like Jessica, they say he has a disease or an imaginary disease. And we talked about that quite a bit while we were talking. And um, I know a famous quote from the Course, which is this, only salvation can be said to cure. We just like what Jessica was talking about. But I had a hard time bringing up that stuff to him. It took a lot of courage for me to, because somehow I was afraid he would be angry at me, even though he had that background, the same similar background that I had in the truth. And But we wouldn't talk on that level. So I think that was part of my anger with my mom and other people sometimes 
with my mom, I could feel it much more, much closer to her for a much longer time than with anybody else, but that I know inside of me that they know all of these things. Even the people who haven't studied this book, quote-unquote, or other similar books, know in their heart of hearts the truth with a capital T. We all know, but maybe I'm angry at myself probably too because almost all the time I don't talk with people on that level. I talk with you guys on that level, of course, and because that's exactly what we're set here, you know, on this, these phone calls to talk about. And a few other people, once in a while, people I know from other spiritual groups or whatever, a little bit, but mostly you guys. But it's like I have this fear. But I know that courage is not an absence of fear. It's acting in spite of it. It's acting as if you have the courage and you have the courage. <laughs> which You have to choose which way, what you act out of the fear or the courage the fear or your heart and i know that's true for me and i remember that that from one of the um the movies with the guy in the hat with harrison ford going after the treasure or the fortune or saving from the nazis or whatever you know when he was running away from something really bad or whatever and there was a big chasm and he took the leap of faith, he stepped out into nothingness. And as soon as he stepped out, uh, a a bridge was made for him to walk across the whole chasm and get to the other side. When he got to the other side, the bridge went away. (laughs) So um, anyway, um, I know I, I I have to be like him, and I have to act as if there's always a bridge for me, even if there seems like a chasm, right? So thanks a lot. I'm complete. Beautiful, Ida. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks, Ida. Thank you. Thanks, Ida. Thank you. I want to. Um, this is Judy. I would like to um, just reflect on a line in the in the lesson where it says that we're under no laws. And in in light of Harrison's wonderful share, um, and how we've all been practicing. You know, the, the the idea that I am not a body, that I am spirit, I am purely mind, um, purely created by God, and that we're not what we, we think we made of ourselves, that we, we're not who we think we are, and that all of, all of, all of the world's thinking is magical, is, is, is an illusion. And the idea that... Um, that um, Illusions fight illusions. That that truth doesn't need defense, and that um, you know that that um, the the belief that we're a body, and and you know the all the arguments and, and differences and and conflicts that come come about by you know each each and everyone's individual interpretation, you know, which is the slicing and dicing of our oneness and um, wanting to create each and everyone's own reality. You know, this is my interpretation of reality, and and I'm going to defend this. 
because I think I'm right. And the whole um, the whole idea that um, I'm I'm not here to correct anybody but myself. That I'm not here to judge anybody's thinking but myself and my response to it. How I am walking and living and breathing Christ's thinking as a as a model for my behavior in my responding in kindness and love and compassion and peace to whatever comes up in my curriculum today. And we each individually have our own curriculum depending on on uh, on what obstacles obstacles or hindrances or or blocks that we have to the to the truth of who and what we are, be it, you know, denying, accepting the truth of, of God's word as as he created us to be, if we haven't um, um, grown into recognizing um, through his means of forgiveness and and open-mindedness and open-heartedness and and um, gentleness and and lack of judgment, you know, all these means means and ways that we have to to truly know and understand the truth of who we are, the truth that sets us free, free. And I can't be free as long as I think I'm in a body. And I can't be limitless and boundaryless and formless as long as I believe I'm in a body. Of course, we have bodies, but we are taught not to limit and make ourselves little in that. Um, the Course teaches me to, to expand and open my mind and my heart and, 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 and let go of being in bondage to my personal thinking and the, all the thoughts and all the concepts of the past that the world has taught me. There's one specific exercise or lesson that speaks of that. Forget everything you ever thought you knew and, and bring the Holy Spirit, the voice of God with you wherever you go and ask him to judge things for you if you're disturbed or afraid. And it's the only way to undo what we've made of ourselves and and the beliefs that we're so hard and fixed and fast in that we're captive to and held prisoner by. So here, here, here is to freedom and joy and limitless peace and um, that no one can deprive me of anything except myself, that no one can hurt me or crucify me or threaten me except my own thinking. And the responsibility for that is is pretty clear, but staying in in peace and open-mindedness and um, asking what it is I'm looking at here, if I don't understand it from a perspective of, of a wise and kind and loving heart, then, um, you know, my peace is disturbed and I definitely need help with the capital H. So um, I just I just love the, the way the Course is coming to the big wrap and wraps it all up. And one line that, um, that I, I love from the, the text reading is the manifest simplicity of this lesson how it's equally applicable to everything I see and touch and hear and smell and that what is one and the same cannot be different. And it, it's the illusion of differences 
that needs to be undone. The illusion of separating things out according to names and um, varying degrees of value. What's more valuable than something else? The, the, the awareness of my totality and my not losing sight of who I am in, in God's mind, that is my only need, my only want. And, um, let nothing come before that or after that, for that matter. <laughs> I just loved your sharing. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Judy. Thanks, Judy. Well, yeah, we still have you, 14 Judy. people with us. So um, how about some voices we haven't heard from yet this morning? Good morning. This is Sandra. Why not today? Why not be the peace and joy <laughs> that I'm looking to find outside of myself? Why not just be it? Be the peace and joy amidst the magic because the magic is there. I know I've used that magic. I've used it. I've used my emotions. Um, my I've used my emotions to manipulate, actually. My anger, rage, fear. Why did I do that? Because I identified with being the body instead of the spirit. And the spirit oversees body and mind. And if my mind isn't aligned with spirit, with the truth of God, with the word of God, which is the ultimate spirit, which is love, if I'm not aligned with that, then I'm going to feel angry, resentful, sad, and I've used that as a manipulation to get needs met because I knew that there was this body and as long as I was having a body experience, there were needs. Needs for shelter, needs for food, needs for connection, needs for love. And when those needs weren't being met, I, 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 my emotions came up because I hadn't embodied the peace and joy, which is the truth of who I am. I, I saw things with the body's eyes which were limited instead of using the mind of God to see things and integrating that mind of God with this egoic mind that, that really is, is innocent in the sense that it just didn't... It was given faulty information, and it didn't know any better. And now we're given the correct information, I believe, because my heart resonates with it. But it's one thing to resonate with this information. It's a whole other thing to embody it, to integrate it. And so for today, through self-awareness, when I feel sad or resentful or angry, I use those emotions to go inward and see what is the thought behind this? What was I thinking that caused this emotional? And then I also, I do not share my emotions a lot with people because I know that I've used it previously as a manipulation. So 
the best place to share my emotions is with Holy Spirit and ask to be shown the truth. And if I'm feeling peace and joy and gratitude in the moment, because that's all there is, then I'm golden. If I'm feeling other than that, then I can bring it to Holy Spirit, which makes me golden again. I don't have to even fix it. Just bring it to Holy Spirit. And and part of the problem, I think, was that I, because of the identity with body, I felt limited that my needs had to come from this particular place. But because I'm spirit, I am limitless. The sky is the limit. I don't have to have my needs met by this particular person or this particular place. If I trust and rely on God, all my needs will be met. But it may not look the way I thought it was supposed to look. And so it's that trust and reliance on God not on my limited body self, the small self. Because that limited small self gets frightened when her needs aren't met and thinks that, oh, it's not coming from this place, so now i got to get angry, sad, resentful, and I'm going to show my emotions because I'm going to use that as a manipulation to maybe get my needs met. Guess what? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It only creates more of the same of not getting my needs met. But when I can address needs with joy and gratitude and trust, knowing that as long as I'm having this body experience, there will be needs that arise, and I can trust and rely on God that all my needs will be met. There's limitless opportunities for those needs to be met as long as I let go of my... uh, hanging on to that it has to be met in this particular way. And when I can let that go and go into trust and faith in my relationship with my Creator and the Holy Spirit, all is well. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sandra. That was very beautiful. Thank you, Sandra. I like that true desire. Beautiful, beautiful true desire. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And um, I've, I've uh, subtitled, I do that sometimes, if I've learned something important uh, from a section. I've subtitled this section, Practical Forgiveness. Practical Forgiveness. <laughs> and listening to all your shares this morning, um was really, really very eye-opening to me. I, I started out with um, with the lines in what am I? You know, the teaching-learning relationship is a relationship that's holy because it's established for learning purposes. 
the teacher, God's teacher, is not really the one who does the teaching, it's the Holy Spirit. And in the teaching and learning relationship, we've joined together for learning purposes with one goal, that God's Son is guiltless. God's Son is guiltless. Jessica, I so appreciated um, your comments on correction. And, um, and when I look at this section, I, here's an example that I think illustrates how this can go awry. And because it's so common, um, maybe it's something we can all identify with. Having loved, for example, someone who suffers an addiction. Um, and that that was the story of my life from childhood and into adulthood. Um, and, and the natural, well, it's not natural. Actually, it's kind of unnatural. But the desire to help this person who's suffering with an addiction, you can't deny that. I mean, everyone wants to help this person who's suffering uh, from an addiction. And um, when I'm looking at that situation with the eyes of my ego, I see myself as, I see me as the person who can help this person. Just like he describes in the second paragraph, you know, there's a temptation to respond to magic in a way that reinforces it. Nor is this always obvious. It can, in fact, be easily concealed beneath a wish to help, this double wish. And and that's why I refer to this section as practical forgiveness. Forgiveness being um, that gesture the Holy Spirit makes when I'm willing to overlook um, something that I think is interfering with my brother's happiness. It's a, it's a real um, it's a real real walk. Uh, to learn to exemplify these words in us uh, by our behavior. And when I'm looking with the eyes of my ego, of course, I'm going to see that my brother needs to make a correction. <laughs> when I'm looking with the Holy Spirit, my sinless brother is my guide to love. You know, those two lessons that flow out of what am I? The first two lessons. My sinless brother is my guide to peace. My sinful brother is my guide to pain. And the problem is not ever, ever, ever with my brother. The problem is always with my seeing. It's always with my seeing. As he goes on in Lesson 352, after what I am, what am I? Judgment and love are opposites. From one come all the sorrows of the world, but from the other comes the peace of God himself. When I'm seeing this, using the example of addiction, when I'm seeing this problem in my brother and my desire to correct it, um, I'm going to be experiencing my sinful brother as my guide to pain and judgment uh, and love are opposites. I need correction. My mind is the one that needs the correction. And so he goes on to discuss um, 
an interpretation. You see, when I'm having my sinful brother and my judgment color my my experience of my brother, I am alienated from myself and alienated from my brother. It, it's um, it's a difficult walk. I discovered to try and have two goals. It's a very difficult walk. Uh, it's an impossible walk. But when I finally let my mind be corrected um, and accept atonement for myself, I've already accepted it for my brother, you see? Atonement means my brother and I are one. We are joined in sinlessness and love. And practical forgiveness is what returns that uh, awareness to my mind. Gosh, I loved how Jessica talked about correction. It can be such a simple thing or um, a complicated thing as um, addiction. You know, you love this one and you hate to see them hurting. And... Um, and, and it can become very confusing in the desire to be helpful to um, want to tell the brother how to correct his behavior. But this section, um, when I finally learn how to finesse my way through this knot that makes me feel separate from my brother, um, the joy of discovering that we are one in truth or a miracle is is awaiting me. This is why so often in the text, over and over and over again, we're told um, that gratitude is due our brother, both for his loving thoughts and his call for love, because both have the potential to bring love to my awareness. If I'm responding to my brother with an urge to correct him, that's not going to bring love to my awareness. But when I realize that this brother that God has given me himself, God has given me himself to care for. And caring for this brother is not correcting him, but rather appreciating and loving every little tiny thing I can find, every tiny little thing I can find to love about this brother. And a lesson that's really helpful in this, um, because it is a, it is a Christ-guided walk, uh, definitely, and a lesson that helped me so much with this is Lesson 181. I trust my brothers who are one with me. And that lesson just right off the bat, makes it so clear that perception has a focus. And if I'm focusing on my brother's mistake, or what I think is my brother's mistake, uh, or my brother's magic thought, as it were, um, that's all I'm going to see. Perception has a focus. But if I change the focus, everything will shift accordingly. And I could enter the miracle zone with my brother. And now I can discover that my brother is my savior. Why? Because by 
shifting my interpretation, changing the focus of what I'm looking for, that will return to me as a witness for love. And my brother will experience that as love, and so will I. That's why he says the lonely journey fails, because it excludes what it is you would find. That's why uh, practical forgiveness will always, always, always lead me to the knowledge that my brother is my savior, in fact, and interpretations of behavior um, are pretty way out of line. In fact, it turns out if I'm if I'm seeing something I need to correct in my brother, I'm seeing with the eyes of my ego. You know, if I'm seeing with the eyes of the Holy Spirit or seeing with Christ's vision, my innocent brother is my guide to peace. And I'll realize that love is in my awareness. So lesson 181 is very helpful in shifting my focus and uh, leads me to the awareness that I can be grateful for this brother because I've learned to love without fear. That's why he says in lesson 298, which is, I love you, Father, and I love your Son. My gratitude permits my love to be accepted without fear because the purpose of relationship is forever to make happy. He says, God created his relationship to make you happy. Created the relationship with you to make you happy. Therefore, the purpose of relationship will be forever to make happy. And if I'm seen with the eyes of my ego, I will make myself unhappy and my brother. But to see my brother in the light of the Holy Spirit, recognizing that this perfect spirit holds the light of Christ, same as I, um, love is in my awareness and I will be without fear. So anyway, I'm really, really grateful for this section and I'm really grateful for tomorrow's section because the two of them together speak of um, love in my awareness and peace in my mind and how I can, um, just by my simple willingness to let forgiveness light my awareness, can become aware that my brother is my capital self, that you are my capital self. There are shifts I need to make in my awareness, and I can only do it with a brother. Miracles unite souls with one another and are the way to revelation, actually. So anyway, uh, with that, I'm complete and... Um, I am so, 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 so grateful for everyone here who straightens out my mind. And uh, I'm complete. Amen. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was great, Lori. Thank you so much. If I can add one more to that, where you mentioned the practicality. Universal theology is impossible, but 
It's a foundation to practice the lessons and allow the practice of the lessons to become a practical part of our life and to live true to the teacher within us. Such beautiful discussion you shared and uh, truly hit my heart. Thank you so much. Thank you, Charles. <laughs> That's sweet. It really was a beautiful share, Lori. I just love the way you speak of living the way and, you know, how we grow in the, in the process of, of, um, of, of our goal in God and revelation. It's just beautiful the way you spoke of it today. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. This, this section is really, really, really rich. And, um, you know, I'm going to get timely here for a minute, but you hear of, um, to it in the media now, but you hear of this thing called wokeness. And, you know, it's, it's as if it's a pejorative uh, accusation that, oh, you think you're so much better than me because you're wokeness. And, and that troubled me uh, so deeply because it's like, um, it's, it's, it turns what is a blessing into an accusation. And this section, this section shows how it happens, you see. Um, because it takes that impulse that um, wants to share a miracle and turns it into an accusation through uh, the idea that I can correct my brother, you see? And so what was a universal blessing that my brother and I are one has turned into something by which my brother feels condemned. And I will suffer that. I'll suffer that same consequence because I've used my mind that way. And that's um, why it was so difficult to summarize this section because right in the middle of it is that great big knot. And the knot itself is, is a result of the wish to help, but using the ego to be the helper, you know? Um, so anyway, it's a, this is a really rich section. Today and tomorrow both um, um, contain the key for the escape. And uh, golly, Roger, I'm really, really grateful for it. I'm grateful for the teacher, the capital T teacher, um, that shows the way to exit this problem and turn it into a blessing. So anyway... That's my thought on that, and I'm complete. Beautiful. Amen. Yes, thank you. I have two quick thoughts. The um, idea that um, if I'm judging from the illusionary thought system of the ego, thinking I'm a body and that my brother's separate, and that I can correct him or... or, or um, um, judge him, that um, the line where 
um, Jesus says, judge not, lest ye be judged, that, you know, we're judging an illusion from an illusion or a mistaken sense of the self, and how magic thoughts have no power. They're neither right or wrong, rewarding or, or destructive, which was from the previous readings, but um, they're simply meaningless, and that's what makes them an illusion. And they have no power to do anything. So, you know, it's a waste of time and thinking and energy even to, to participate in it. And the, the whole, whole beauty of the innocence and the um, changelessness of how we're created and, and the perfect atonement being merely the acceptance of ourselves as God created us to be the remedy without need for being being spoken, just merely exemplified in our um, walking through this world with an open heart and an open mind and, and um, not judging, not condemning, not projecting blame or guilt on the world outside of me and knowing it's, it's me, it's, it's, it's an inside job. I'm either connected with my, and one with my source, and I don't know where God ends and I begin, and I end and He begins. It's just one seamless whole, or not. And um, for that, I am responsible. Thank you. I'm sorry if I talked too long. Yeah. Well, we're at the end of our recorded time together. That was great, Judy. And so. Um, I, th- I think to close this call this morning from uh, chapter 10 in the dynamics of the ego, it gives us this. Every brother you meet, every brother you meet becomes a witness for Christ or for the ego, depending on what you perceive in him. Everyone convinces you of what you want to perceive and of the reality of the kingdom you have chosen for your vigilance. Everything you perceive is a witness to the thought system you want to be true. Every brother has the power to release you, if you will, to be free. You cannot accept false witness of him unless you evoke false witness against him. If he speaks not of Christ to you, You spoke not of Christ to him. You hear but your own voice. And if Christ speaks through you, you will hear him. (laughs) Amen. So thank you, everyone, for a beautiful call. I knew we'd have a lovely discussion of this. It's great. Perfect again, Lori. Thank you. (laughs) How do you do it? Thank you, Lori. Thank you.